Hi everyone and welcome to Marketplace Jungle, where we look at the world of e-commerce marketplaces beyond Amazon. I'm your host, Jesse Ragg from eChameleon. And in this opening episode of Marketplace Jungle, I'm joined by someone who really personifies what we're aiming to achieve with this podcast. After working at Amazon as a vendor manager, today's guest, unhappy with the internal pressure to constantly renegotiate deals with the brands she was working on, switched to the other side of the table and helped a German fashion brand take on marketplaces properly for the first time. Valerie Dichtel has since become renowned in the German fashion industry as one of the leading experts for all things marketplaces. Founder of Marketplace Uni, Valerie teaches would-be marketplace managers how to get their brands selling on the top marketplaces in Europe. She works with companies to help them ensure that their business is ready for marketplaces and that all stakeholders are aligned for this new business area. In this episode, you can expect to learn which marketplaces are out there that you might not yet know about, how to bring profitability to the forefront of your marketplace strategy, how to use marketplaces for overstock or end-of-line items, how to distribute marketplace revenue to keep your team motivated, and where to begin with selling on marketplaces if you've never done so. Valerie, welcome to Marketplace Jungle. Thank you so much for joining today. Hi, Jesse. So happy to be with you here. Actually, this is my first podcast recording in English. <laughs> and you're coming to us today, not from Germany, but from Sri Lanka. Yeah, that's true. I'm like uh, traveling a lot. Normally I'm based in Munich in Germany, but um, yeah, I try to escape the winter in Germany. So that's the reason why I yeah, went to Asia this winter and um, working from here on the marketplace I'm, only. Yeah. I'm not jealous at all. So <laughs> here, here at Marketplace Jungle, the focus is the world of marketplaces outside of Amazon. And I think you personify that perfectly because you are ex-Amazon, but you now help particularly fashion brands sell on all of the marketplaces that exist outside of Amazon. Um, so I think you're a really nice example of marketplaces beyond Amazon. And obviously you've got the marketplace uni. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. But before we jump into the conversation, perhaps we can take a moment for you to introduce yourself. Tell us about your journey, how you got into e-commerce, how you got into what you're doing now. Sure. So many questions. Actually, I started my e-commerce journey like 12 years ago when I worked for a fashion brand. And then I applied at Amazon in Munich for becoming a vendor manager. Actually, I first applied as a trainee. So I applied three times till I got invited. <laughs> it was at that time already difficult to get into. And um, yeah, I was working four years as a vendor manager being responsible for like all the fashion kids fashion brands and also the uh, underwear and swimwear brands so um yeah i was like buying products and also negotiating all the terms and conditions with all of the fashion brands and um i mean i learned a lot um i grew so much and i had great managers at that time um, but from year to year, it was always like, okay, but now you have to negotiate more terms and conditions and more and more and more. And there was a point where I, I really loved the team and my job. And um, at the same time, I was like, okay, but I cannot go again to my uh, vendors and uh, asking again for like one or 2% more profitability and don't give them anything back. So 
felt a bit like squeezing out already squeezed out lemons. And um, that's what I didn't want. So I didn't want to be very honest. I didn't want to burn my name in our fashion industry because at Amazon, they don't really care about um, their own category um, things. So, I mean, as I am working for Amazon, you can also change tomorrow in a different apartment, uh, department. And um, so, I mean, I knew I wanted to stay in the fashion industry because I studied fashion and textile management. And um, yeah, so it, um, it became a possibility that I changed to one of my vendors. So in November back then, I negotiated from the vendor side at Amazon the terms and conditions. And in January, I worked from exactly the other side uh, for this fashion brand. And I was responsible for online wholesale. And I also started my marketplace journey there because the brand back then was not working with marketplaces, but the budgets we got already cut from Zalando and About You. And I was like, hmm, okay, I got a budget cut there and there. Or like, oh yeah, we can, we can uh, buy category, I don't know, women's underwear, but not men's underwear. So I had to find new solutions on like selling those categories as well on marketplaces. And um, yeah, I started to really find out, okay, who can sell us on marketplaces or can we do it ourselves? Um, so I started this whole learning by doing and trial and error journey about the marketplace business. So really learning about like who can bring us online, what is the business case behind it and collecting all those like different um, informations from like marketplaces, marketplace service partners, other brands, and yeah, to, to get a real good picture about the marketplace business. And then, yeah, we realized um, <laughs> we cannot do the B2C logistics ourselves because we had um, a logistics center in Hungary. So we couldn't at all meet the guidelines and the requirements the marketplaces had, like shipping within 24 hours to the clients and so on. So I had to find new solutions because our logistic uh, head of also said to me like, oh, you want to sell on marketplaces? Okay, you can come back in two years. And I was like, mm -hmm, okay, that's not the kind of like solution I want to have. And um, so, yeah, I started figuring out like who is a full service partner who also does like marketplace integration and um, also doing the logistic parts, right? And um, yeah. So I did this, like the brand grew also on marketplaces. We did like this hybrid model on Amazon, on uh, About You, on Zalando, and we grew our online sales. And that's what I did for almost two years till I finally decided to get self-employed and to completely switch the, <laughs> the sites. And um, yeah, became, I became self-employed as a marketplace consultant. So I stayed within my categories um, and I yeah, consulted a lot of like fashion brands, mostly underwear again, <laughs> because I'm still pretty strong connected to those categories. And um, yeah, I started consulting them, like teaching them also like or creating their marketplace strategies, like, okay, how can we get on board? Like, yeah, I use all the data and information I collected when I tried to start it. Um, and um, integrated into my work as a consultant. And yeah, there was one point, I think like three years and summer ago, yeah, it was like quite in the middle of COVID 2020 summer. And I met a former key account manager um, 
And then he was like, Valerie, Marketplace is not going away. Like, can you teach me on how to work with Marketplaces? And I was like, I don't know. I mean, like, working and teaching one person? Hmm, I don't know. But at the same time, I did a lot of, like, personal development. And I learned so much about, like, online coachings, group coachings. And I was like, hmm. I mean, Marketplace managers are often so much alone and like fighting for their own in this complete Marketplace jungle, don't know where to find a way or like having people who, who are they able to connect with. And then it was like, hmm, okay, so can we maybe um, do this together? I mean, like putting a group together and teaching them together. And that was like in August. The idea in September, I think uh, I started a website and in December, the first class got online. So what we do is now we started teaching employees of fashion, sports and shoes brands on how to create their online marketplace strategy. And that was the first course we started with, at that time, eight people um, doing their strategy over like three to four months every week, two and a half hours. I really hope that today, by asking you the questions that I would love to ask you about marketplaces, that we're not just going to steal all of the content from the marketplace uni, because I'm, I'm, I would love to pick your brains now on how a brand, you're coming at this from the fashion brand perspective, I'm going to try and maybe generalize this a little bit so it's got a, an appeal to a broader audience. Um, but I'd love to really try and take some snippets out of what you're telling people at Marketplace Uni so that a brand can understand for themselves how they can take advantage of the world of marketplaces beyond Amazon. Yeah, actually, there's quite a big part, which we also teach in the Marketplace Uni. It's like, okay, how can we as a brand choose and find the right marketplaces? Because sometimes you're not... I mean, there is like no website where you can put in like who is the online marketplace in my category and find like a complete overview, right? Because it's like always like you really have to find out who is the marketplace, in which countries do they um, work and offer their uh, marketplace topics. And um, it's, yeah, sometimes even hard to find out like who is the marketplace and how can we contact them in order to get online there because they have also different rules and regulations and requirements as well right so um you have to find out who's the marketplace in which location in which countries are they working and also can i if i want to get there who's the contact person and um do we get a brand um, uh, um brand approval there because not all marketplaces say like, oh, you want to like sell at our marketplace? Great, we want to have you. It's more like, okay, are you fitting to our categories, to our strategy? Um, are you big enough or small enough? Or um, the, do you have like a price points we are or like our target group? So um, yeah, we, we show you the picture of like which marketplaces are there. And to be honest, we have to update every every class all those marketplaces because there's so much change in it. Um, like there's new marketplaces popping up. Um, there are some they are um, yeah they are closing, um, and um, um, almost all of them are extending all the time the countries they work in or uh, updating their requirements. So yeah, there is a lot of like. Um, 
there's a lot of like, um, yeah, flow and flexibility in it. <laughs> it's always changing, definitely. I can attest to that. I mean, we've built a whole business model around the fact that marketplaces are changing all the time and that it's impossible to keep up to date with. So I uh, have no end of respect for the amount of work that you must have to do there to keep things up to date. I'm curious, I mean, you touched on, you touched on a lot of topics there and I'd love to dive into a couple of those in a little bit more detail. Specifically, how do we know which, or to know which marketplaces are right for my brand to sell on? You first have to know which marketplaces exist. And I think also important to think about is what even is a marketplace? Because obviously, in, in theory, Booking.com is a marketplace. TripAdvisor is a marketplace. So for clarity here, we're talking specifically about the Amazons, the Ebays, the Kauflands, the Onbuys, the Walmarts of the world, where unlike a website, your marketplace is there designed to bring the traffic or the traffic is already at the marketplace and you as a seller are simply taking advantage of that traffic, that existing customer base and offering your product. Either perhaps you're offering the same product as your competitors and, and you have like an Amazon style buy box that you are competing for and often price and shipping time is the differentiator there. And sometimes it can be more exclusive marketplaces like a Laradou in France or, or a Zalando where they tend to work more with the brands directly rather than with individual retailers. But you... You mentioned, obviously, that there are a lot of new marketplaces popping up. And we've seen this, I think, since, you know, it was already a topic pre-COVID, but specifically with the e-commerce boom in 2020, there were more and more businesses with well-established websites that had a, an established customer base. And I think they looked towards the marketplace model as an extension on their existing business where they were kind of thinking, okay, we've got the customers we now need to offer more products and we either can go into financial risk ourselves and buy a huge amount of extra stock that we can offer or we can open up the doors and become a third part allow third party businesses to also offer their stock on here and that's a very quick way of adding in another adding another 100 500 thousand SKUs without us having to take any actual capital risk by buying stock that we maybe might not sell in terms of which marketplaces are out there? I've seen, for example, Decathlon and, and MediaMarkt are two names that in the last couple of years have quite quietly become a marketplace. And then you've got Otto here in Germany, arguably the second biggest marketplace after like an Amazon uh, in, in general marketplace without any specific um, category focus. Can you think of or can you name any other marketplaces that have maybe slipped under the radar that people might not actually realize are marketplaces? Um, yeah, you mentioned already Decathlon, right? So uh, that was, for example, for me also surprising. So I was like, mm, I promoted or like a show, a map of like, okay, these are the relevant marketplaces for sports. It was like two years ago. And then Decathlon wrote, uh, as a comment on my LinkedIn articles, like, oh, but we're also a marketplace now. And I was like, oh, interesting. I never heard from that one. <laughs> so, I mean, that's um, that's sometimes how it works. Um, so, um, yeah, I would say, um, to be very honest, um, it seems maybe sometimes that, uh, oh, we become now ourselves a marketplace seems so like, um, less risky, but I think becoming a marketplace as a, like, only own online shop before 
is a lot more complex and difficult than many of you maybe think. So sometimes I get questions like, oh, we want to become a marketplace. And I'm like, I, yeah, okay, maybe um, think about that again, because sometimes these are brands and I'm like, ah, okay, that doesn't make sense maybe. I mean, but overall, um, which are relevant marketplaces? Um, I mean, if we have like a look on the map of European B2C marketplaces, then um, I would say, as you said, like we have the big four, right? The big four in, okay, fashion related is uh, definitely Amazon and Otto, as you said, like also the overall marketplaces and Zalando and About You. Um, we have um, as well other ones, and it's so often depending on your product category, which one suits you well. For example, if you are a, um, supplier of articles for best agers and fashion then maybe the Klinger group might be um, interesting for you or if you're doing plus sizes or then maybe it's happy size or um, um, different ones um, if you have sports there's also for example Sportcheck and Decathlon who are mainly focusing on sports um, and if you're more premium there could be Laredut as you said um, um, or um, yokes. Yokes in Italy is quite new. They popped up last year and they were growing a lot. So they, they become a marketplace last year. Um, then um, there are new ones popping up as well. For example, Trendyol, but they are more like young fashion um, price entry level. We also have um, Farfetch and Farfetch is, for example, super luxury. So you almost don't get a brand permission there. And, and Vcamp as well is also more premium products uh, from the Netherlands. Um, in terms of like kids you have or families, you have Limango, for example. Um, you have My Toys, maybe Mirapodo, um, Amazon, Zalando as well. So it's so much depending on the category. So toys, for example, is also Amazon um, and my toys. So it's, yeah, it's pretty much depending on your own target group, your goal also. So like, what do you want to, uh, what is your goal on marketplaces? Is it like, okay, we want to have brand visibility or a turnover or more profitability, or uh, we want just to extend to new markets, or we want to sell our, um our out of season products or so or our um yeah um our overstocks right so it's so much depending on what your goal is on marketplaces so if i would break it down into different um orders so i would first go for okay what's your strategy and what's your goal what do you want to um reach with your marketplaces and then you um think about okay who's the marketplaces who could fit to your um to your strategy to your goals um and which countries do you want to go and then you think about okay how can i get on board on those marketplaces so first you need a brand permission um to say like the marketplace for example Bräuninger, yeah says like okay yeah we are um, offering you um you can offer your products on our marketplace, but often they say like, no, uh, our, your products are not fitting to us, right? So um, it's pretty much depending on the marketplace. So you have to find out like, do I get a brand permission? How can I get on board in on these marketplaces and these countries? And who is getting me on board? Who is the marketplace service partner? 
uh, which is supporting me in integration into the B2C logistic part um, and all the other service parts I might need in order to get integrated on this marketplace. And then obviously you should calculate your business case wisely and before because what we can say and what we can see at the moment within the marketplace business 2023 is that um, profitability becomes more and more a big topic and um, yeah also a part which is um, yeah so much on on focus right now because prices are increasing and you really should calculate before if your category or your products can be profitable if you start with marketplaces or how you can change your article setup in terms of um, making it more profitable. When you're referring to, to profitability here, are you referring to the profitability on each individual marketplace or would a brand be better at looking at marketplaces across the board and aiming for a diversified marketplace approach where they're simply on as many marketplaces as possible and accept that one might be more or less profitable than the others, but across the average, they have a profitable marketplace business? Or should they be going really granular and looking at which products on which marketplaces in which categories are and are not profitable and then driving it based on that? Wow, good question. So, um, I mean, if you start your business, I would like, I would start step by step with the marketplaces, maybe with like two or three in one country and to figure out like how are the um, how are the KPIs and the figures um, you have with this marketplace, because every marketplace is different. Every country in the marketplace is different. And as we as we talk about return rates, for example, return words are also different uh, in the different countries and uh, they have a huge impact on the profitability. Um, so what you need to look at is like really calculate marketplace and country wise before you start on expected sales and then you need to test it. So I would first go for trying new marketplaces as it's, but just if it's not too um difficult to open up new ones so if you don't have so high opportunity costs and um if you know for example okay um the netherlands we tried with one marketplace maybe we extend the other marketplaces also to the netherlands then i would go for that and overall um i think the business case you create should be profitable on every marketplace you start and overall, they, I, I mean, there will always be marketplaces who are more profitable and um, other ones who are less profitable, but overall they should be profitable if you want to do this because prices are rising. So in the future, it will get even tighter and tighter to really have a profitable one. And um, if you start and you know already, okay, this cannot be profitable. For example, if you are a socks brand, and if you say like, okay, yeah, but we have like our socks, a pair of socks is like uh, 13 euros. Then um, I can always promise you, uh, I can already promise you without even calculating, this can't be profitable um, because of already logistic costs, right? So you have to know, okay, um, I'm, I might change to a multi-pack um, in order to make it profitable and then maybe sell less, uh, different different kind of articles but um being profitable with it despite of like oh we put our whole collection there and we know that 80 percent is like 
non-profitable. So um, I would always go for a mix, um, but a profitable one. Yeah. I think Snox is a fantastic example of a brand that does that really well. Yeah, that's true. So um, they said marketplace business is quite important for them. It's growing a lot and they were surprised, for example, how uh, good Otto performs, for example. And Snox has um, socks and underwear products. So I love those kind of products because they have a long product life cycle um, and they are great products for um, marketplaces. What we see, for example, the higher the um, the more fashionable the products are and the less um, product life or the, the less product life cycle they have, the more difficult it is. So Snox, for example, um, or socks brands overall, they um, they can also sell, for example, on Kaufland and eBay and Amazon, Otto, About You, Zalando, if they got the brand permission and they have like, huge possibilities. But to be honest, this um, marketplace business for them, I mean, selling black socks, to be honest, yeah, they they are not the first one with this idea. So Snox is really an example of like great work and um, they really, um, they really, yeah, got a really amazing business, but they also did it quite different. And you, you don't, you shouldn't forget they are just a D2C brand. So they have their own, um, yeah, they have their own selling business in their own hands and they don't have, or they didn't have um, other retailers selling their products online. So they don't have this price competition topics. Um, other brands have who are selling also to retailers who are also putting their products on online marketplaces. So that makes it a bit more complex. And that's obviously a really big consideration as well when it comes to the topic of, of B2B, um, where you have these traditional B2B brands that pivot and they look at marketplaces as a way to start selling directly to their consumer for the first time. Another huge consideration for them is potentially burning the retailer relationships, which have kept them going for all these years. And the opposite is also true, where if it's a marketplace first or a D2C brand like a Snox, there is an opportunity to be had from the B2B world, but where you've got these businesses which have built up very profitable, very successful businesses, purely uh, arguably based on nothing more than how well they can market those products. Because as you said, it, at the end of the day, it's just it's just black trainer socks. It's not that different to other black trainer socks, but they just do a great job of marketing it. If they were to take a more traditional route and find B2B buyers of those products, yes, they would sell more of the products en masse, but they would lose a lot of that edge on the marketing perspective because they would have to give up some of that marketing control to their B2B customers. Yeah, that's true. And what they would also give up, for example, is their um, their own recommended retail prices. So as soon as you are um, allowing someone else to sell your products online, I mean, sometimes you cannot say like you're not allowed to because you have to allow them. Um, but as soon as you have um, retailers who are also selling your products, you are in the competition of the selling price uh, 
with your own customers, right? Because your retailers are also your clients, your B2B clients. So this is often a real um, struggle that brands have um, who are um, coming from those B2B perspective and now also selling on marketplaces. So, I mean, there are a few examples who are like very straight in like, okay, who is um, allowed to sell our products and who's not, but they, those are like, you know, like Adidas or um, Remova or what's um, like all of like the straight distribution channels um, and all of the others like um, they are really sometimes struggling with their own retailers and yeah you want to also keep them right but it's really difficult on like handling them and like also handling the discounts I mean to be very honest it's not just the small ones it's also like about you for example they had really bad figures uh, last year and high overstock so what they did is like they discounted the articles they bought so um i mean this is like even if you are selling on about you uh in the wholesale business and with the marketplace business then you're um dealing with the discounts about you is giving so an offering so um yeah it's um it's tough times in the marketplace business, to be very honest. And then what you also have is you think about, okay, um, the, the main season is over now. What we do with our overstocks? And there are also quite interesting marketplaces, for example, I mean, eBay, as you already know, and VP uh, in France, and um, also um, Outlet City Metzingen, for example, or Best Secret, who um, newly became a marketplace. So, um, yeah so many different possibilities i think on the topic of overstocks i mean there's there's also a, an opportunity there for expansion internationally particularly to the australia new zealand region or any i mean anywhere on the other side of the on the in the southern hemisphere if you're a northern hemisphere business and obviously the reverse would be true for an australian based business if you've got end of line or overstock products that were maybe summer oriented shorts, t-shirts, whatever it might be, and you're coming into winter, you've got that season again on the other side of the world. And so then, you know, five, six years ago, you were kind of limited to eBay and trade me in that part of the world. But in the last five years, there's, I think five or six reasonably really good marketplaces have opened up in Australia alone. And there's one big one in, in New Zealand as well, which, okay, it's a small-ish market, between both countries, you know, it's not even 40 million people, but if it's for end of line products and you just want to test out that market, it's a really nice opportunity there, whether you take the B2B or the B2C route to sell to that side of the world. Yeah, that's quite true. To be very honest, I, um, I don't have experience with like putting the products to Australia, for example. I just would need, or I just need to take into account that um, if you are selling products, you would also need to ship them to Australia, right? So shipping costs, I mean, might be interesting in bulk, but um, if you just would ship them one by one to Australia and you are already, if you are already discounted the products, then that might be quite critical in terms of profitability as well, right? So that's the other side of this uh, topic, I would say. Absolutely. And that, that brings me nicely to another question I actually wanted to ask, um, because obviously in marketplaces, it's easy to think about Amazon and eBay, and you've got sort of very generalist B2C marketplaces. We've talked now about a couple of 
niche fashion marketplaces as well but there's so many niches in marketplaces whether it's sustainability where you've got like an avocado store or the canopy in the uk is one which is launching soon and vo world and then you've got thrift plus which is a marketplace for sort of secondhand clothing in the uk and you know there's no end of category specific marketplaces one which is really starting to grow and i'm kind of excited to see what's happening here is in the b2b marketplace space now there's some in australia and new zealand and that was what i was more where i was thinking is that you could as a brand sell to a business in australia and ship a bunch of your end of line products over via a b2b marketplace so you're not selling one pair of shorts you're selling a thousand and then they'll be resold over there but b2b marketplaces in general is an interesting space and obviously metro is a is a good example of that here in germany but i'm wondering if you've had any experience with with that and with brands that have transitioned from b2c to b2b marketplaces to be very honest we are um focusing on b2c marketplaces we get some more questions about b2b marketplaces also from different categories and i i'm totally agree that this is a new interesting and important topic um but as um, already the, uh, for example, in marketplace fashion B2C business, there are already more than 110 relevant marketplaces just for fashion, sports, shoes categories. And uh, there are so many other categories that we are focusing within the marketplace only on B2C marketplaces in Europe for fashion, sports and shoes brands, because this is already so um, huge <laughs> that um, almost it's so difficult to stay on track with like more categories or um, more continents. So um, yeah, I totally agree B2B marketplace is a growing business. And we have there also Mercateo, um, oh, Mercato, I'm so sorry. And you see already, um, it's not my, my focus area because it's just like exploding otherwise, yeah. No, that's okay. I wanted to come back to something you mentioned earlier as well, because you were listing a lot of really interesting marketplaces. You mentioned specifically Trendyol, which is a, a Turkish marketplace. And also you, you mentioned Wacamp and it made me think of Bol.com. These are, are two examples. I know Bol.com, for example, it's not just the logistics and the language requirements of selling on a Dutch marketplace, but you also have to have a Dutch business entity, which isn't available for, you know, not every small business can go around and set up a new company in every country they want to sell on. Um, and, and Trendyol, obviously, you know, selling to Turkey, that's new territory for a lot of people. The logistics, the legal side of things, the language, the, the cultural differences. Do you have any tips for businesses looking at expanding into these kinds of areas where they've maybe not got the resources to have done so before? Or maybe they're looking at it for the very first time and they would like to take advantage, but they just don't know where to start? Yeah, definitely. So what we also what we have on the other way is like, for example, if you want to sell on Otto as a uh, brand which is not located in Germany, you also have difficulties to do that because you need a German entity, a German uh, logistics center and so on in order to be able to sell on Otto. So um, what I would suggest is um, two things. So first, you can also um, search for a marketplace service partner who is doing this job for you where you don't need a um, 
legal entity in whatever country where you want to sell because they have set up a full service where they already have the connection to the different marketplaces and they also do their B2C logistics for you. So if you're not, if you don't have that much knowledge, that much capacity, know-how people, then I would um, definitely go for a full service partner in uh, compared to making or like starting your own marketplace business, integrating them with a partner and um, um, doing it yourself. Um, because I am completely convinced that it's important that you have someone within your company who's also have the knowledge in terms of marketplaces. So what I would also suggest to you is um, training the people you are um, willing to become a marketplace manager or hiring people who already have experience because Within a brand, you always um, you are the leader of your marketplace business. Even though if you are making it with a full service partner, you are your you are the brand. You know your brand um, best and your article best. And uh, what you really have to focus on is um, that your your decisions are like where you want to sell, which is profitable, where pro which products you sell on, which pr prices, discounts, and so on. So. That's the reason why we also founded the Marketplace Uni, where we offer Marketplace Manager uh, online classes uh, in live workshops, actually. So where you really create your brand strategy in the Marketplace Manager class, or if you already have a Marketplace business, um, um, then you can also go for the Marketplace Manager Advanced class, where you learn how to optimize your already existing Marketplace business. and. Um, yeah, we see that every or like so many marketplace managers are fighting for their own. They don't have like exchange within the company because sometimes they're almost alone <laughs> knowing about this kind of topic. And what we see is like putting like this marketplace community together and that you learn from each other, that you share best practices, that you learn together and exchanging your knowledge. This is so rewarding and so motivating also for the marketplace managers to connect and to know, okay, wow, I'm not the only one who is struggling with this topic or that topic right now or with focusing on new projects because the operational world is like killing me. And um, yeah, that's also the reason why we founded it and why like my heart is also like so much in this vision of like becoming this biggest marketplace community um, in Europe. Um, yeah, because like so many marketplace managers are like daily struggling alone and um, yeah, bringing them together is really like, yeah, yeah, giving me so much motivation to do this. Uh, yeah. Specifically for the type of person that becomes a marketplace manager, because obviously it's not something that people have learned in, I almost said that people haven't learned in the university. Becoming a marketplace manager isn't something that people learn in a traditional university. So inherently, these are just curious people that are interested in doing something new with their work. But I can imagine it being quite demotivating if you're in a business where you that this hasn't been a focus, it's something new, it's maybe not even priority one. And this person who has put their hand up and said, yeah, you know what, I'm willing to learn, I'll take on this new challenge, I'll see if we can lead this marketplace project. They've got to deal with sales, they've got to deal with marketing, they've got to deal with the IT team, they've got to deal with the logistics team, they've got to keep the business leaders up to speed on what's happening. And they're trying to learn an entirely new um, way of doing their job. Like it's not really any of those things, it's all of them combined, plus something else. And 
I can imagine specifically for these people that are that are doing this, they need that exchange with other people in that same position and they don't have that internally as you say and so from a business leader's perspective the marketplace uni sounds like a really great opportunity for them to have that but i'm curious if for, for other business owners that are listening to this where they've got that person or maybe a small team of people that are starting to uh, carry the torch of marketplaces and develop this new side of the business how do you take that revenue that's coming from marketplaces and distribute it in the, an equitable way so that everyone feels motivated to carry on working on that. Oh, wow. So, yeah, um, I mean, yeah, we created a marketplace only because there was no offer. So you cannot study this because like this marketplace, like this kind of like say it's still quite new, just like, I don't know, eight years. So there's not that many really like marketplace i don't know masters you can do right and our one like ours is quite um business uh related hands-on and uh, yeah you can really directly integrate this knowledge into your business um how do you get the turnover into the team or the motivation i would say really like and let them let the people exchange it sometimes not the the main motivation is not um um the salary or the turnover they get it's more like um like creating something new it's like often i see the marketplace managers who already in advanced they grew within this brand the marketplace business to a multi-million uh euro business and uh, that's kind of their baby so often the marketplace managers are, are able like to grow a complete new sales channel and to also get a team and to expand this topic uh, they but they really need the um, support of their management so if the management doesn't um, know how to really um, yeah deal with the marketplace business and how to support them then it's often a failure because you can have the best marketplace manager but if your management is not staying behind this topic and not focusing on that then the marketplace team will have a really really difficult time in getting this really working i love that so don't just take the money from marketplaces and put it back into the same kitty as everything else keep reinvesting it and let those give those people the ammunition to keep it growing yeah um definitely so i can can agree more on that i have one final question you're a marketplace expert where do you go to stay up to date on what's happening with marketplaces yeah that's a good question so i talk actually we have we're partnering up with for example you with all of like different marketplace integrators with the marketplaces itself we're having calls we are talking with them we're talking with our participants from the marketplace only the different brands so uh, it's a lot about talking getting recommendations talking with new people going on events for example like the ecd or the marketplace convention or the k5 or um, there are not so many but um, going on those uh, trade fairs um, and also um, reading the news um, specialized on e-commerce and marketplaces um, so in terms of like german speaking people there is e-tailment there is 
the uh, Internet World Business. I have a German podcast together with Ingrid Loma. Um, and we're, it's called Let's Talk Marketplace, but it's also in German. So there we also inform about different um, news, um, but and also LinkedIn, to be very honest. So I post a lot of LinkedIn. Um, and if you are really interested in this topic, like follow me on LinkedIn um, and see like also who's also in this LinkedIn world in terms of marketplaces and get there your insights from. Brilliant. I will do my best to include some of those links in the show notes so that people can follow you and keep up to date with what's going on with Marketplace Uni. Valerie, thank you so much once again for joining. I really appreciate you taking the time to to share your expertise. It's been really great. Thank you for inviting me, Jesse. <laughs> well, for the first episode, I thought that went pretty well. Valerie is a real expert in all things marketplaces, and we really just scratched the surface in this episode. So be sure to follow her on LinkedIn if you do want to hear more from Valerie. You can find the link to her LinkedIn in the show notes. We've got some great guests coming up to get things started with Marketplace Jungle, including Stefan Haney, who in his time at Amazon helped drive the creation of many of the tools now available to Amazon sellers. Andy Davies, who is a recruitment specialist and helps leading FMCG brands in Europe to build out their own e-commerce teams. And Chloe Thomas, who you may know as the host of the e-commerce Masterplan podcast. We'll also be joined by both successful brands who are selling on marketplaces and brands who have never even given marketplaces a crack, as well as a range of industry experts. So stay tuned for that. And if you like this episode, please do hit the subscribe button so that the algorithms can do their thing and help us to get this show out there. Thank you once again for taking the time out of your day to listen to this opening episode of Marketplace Jungle. I'm Jesse Rag from eChameleon, and if you've got any questions or comments about this episode, or would like to suggest guests for future episodes, do feel free to get in touch with me directly via LinkedIn.